0: The Ram Dama's Kingdom, by Robert P. Fitton. Episode 11, Science Has an Answer. Kellogg had spent the 48 hours after the Wyoming fiasco at his suburban home, trying to assess the implications of the operation. He came back to the base more relaxed and awaiting information from the agents in the field. He stood in his office next to the Code 7 screen staring as if his concentration would bring about some long-sought information. He knew one thing for sure. McGee was a very clever and elusive opponent. But through it all, he had retained a bizarre respect for the way his men had been held at bay. So much so that none of the agents, including Hernandez, had been reprimanded. Grunting and groaning, he pushed his hands against the console. Then he moved up to the window. The short-range transport, now modified for passenger flight, had been brought out of the hangar just hours before. The mammoth white spacecraft glistened in the sunlight. It was the most advanced space vehicle ever built, and bore a direct but awesome resemblance to the 20th century predecessors. Fifteen stories of an office building could be assembled into its inner hull. The general watched as the technicians and trucks swarmed over the runway but his sense of pride was dwarfed by his returning agitation. Adding to the apprehension was the large contingent of press that had gathered about 200 yards from the SRT and under the far side of the hangar. A briefing designed to smooth over the press had been scheduled. Kellogg was supposed to have been down there 45 minutes ago, but it was only the Code 7 call that kept him in his office. The inner base line began to flash. Kellogg, his nerves frazzled once again, almost jumped off the floor. He exhaled and then slammed his fist against the intercom button. What the hell do you want? he shouted as one of his aides came into view. He was standing with the press contingent near the speaker's platform. Kellogg could hear the high pitched voice of Senator Rotstein. Sorry to disturb you, General. What is it, Private? he demanded. General, I have a personal message from Director Started, he answered. Rothstein was drawing an impassioned applause from the crowd. This seemed to annoy Kellogg, who knew Rothstein was the darling of the press. Well, what is it? The director said, the senator's speech will be over soon. He wants you on the platform. You tell that little son of a... You tell the director, I will get there when I get there. He said as the Code 7 console finally sounded, Got that, Private? Yes, sir. I'll tell him exactly. Well, almost exactly what you said. You do that, he said Kellogg as he cut the transmission. He ran over to the other screen and hit the button. Hernandez's image came into view. Hector, where the hell have you been? I'm in Sheraton, Wyoming, General. I think we've got this thing figured out. No, that's really great, Hector said Kellogg, making a sour face. It's only been two days. First of all, McGee is no slouch. Is that why you called me, to tell me that? No, sir. You remember what we told you yesterday at home. Yes, yes, his car was souped up with all that computer crap. They must have jumped out of the car when it turned under the bridge. The nerve of that man, said Kellogg, shaking his head. He desperately wanted to get the upper hand, almost obsessively. They left the car and the computer took over. I had surmised that, Hector. That's probably how he got it out of his garage. I want to know where they are right now, this very minute. They made it to Mountain Summit Helicopter. That's one of the services that usually brings people around Yellowstone. But they do have flights to Salt Lake. And where are they? When the flight arrived in Salt Lake a few hours later, General. But that's where it ends. What about the girl? She is... And she is Annie Sinclair from the Beacon Hotel. Let me tell you something, Hector. All this is being documented. Been one big screw-up after another. I haven't issued any reprisal orders because of McGee's obvious and uncanny abilities. But as far as those two idiots at the hotel... We have transferred them, General. Good. Now keep up all the hotel taps just like before. I want to know right away when they check into their next hotel. He said as he turned. Lieutenant Johnson had just come into the office. I have to go, Hector. One other thing, General. hurry up. Sinclair's parents, they both in poor health. Keep your men on them, too. Pressure them. They can lead us to McGee. I don't care about the consequences. Yes, sir. We will continue to pressure them. Goodbye, Hector. He said smashing the button. I can't believe this entire operation, Johnson. Well, I don't think it's wise to keep grilling the girl's parents. I'm calling the shots, Johnson. We have larger things to think about, like the red medal and everyone who was involved. Yes, sir. You ready to go down? Johnson brought the angry Kellogg away from the administration building. In order to avoid the press, the lieutenant steered the tiny jeep right into the hangar. Kellogg was insistent his image not be picked up by the cameras. That would only bring more questions about where he had been and why he was late. Screeching the tires, Johnson stopped the jeep near one of the outside exits. But just as Kellogg's luck would have it, Walter started and two of his aides had just walked through the exit. Oh, just what we need, scoffed Kellogg as he got out of the jeep. The two men began walking toward the director. All right, Matt, he called, you better have a good explanation. Hello, Walter, nice to see you too, smiled the general as if nothing was wrong. All the salutations can wait. I've about had it with your little excursions, your walking out of meetings, your tidiness, just because you've attained a position. Oh, come on, Walter, said Kellogg, hitting him on the shoulder. Can't be all that bad. And besides, nobody gives a damn where I've been. The press. Oh, is that right? You listen to me, Matt," he said as he came to a stop. Rothstein is out there stirring up a storm. All that new welfareism is playing right into the hands of the press. We have to counter this, Matt. Stay clear of all the hostility. That's why I've decided to cancel your speech. You did what? He exploded. Who the hell gave you permission? I am the director. I'm the SIA's chief military officer on this base and in the agency. My point of view is important. Especially with all those bleeding hearted fools running around here. There you go. Forget it. Just what they want to hear. They'll turn around everything you say. Don't tell me Barrett is gonna speak. Ha <laughs> laughed Laugh Kellogg. Pete will be able to handle them. Oh, good, good. I said Kellogg as he moved ahead. I'm not in the mood for those sons of bitches anyways. We watched Kellogg moving out of the hangar. Rothstein's buzzing voice, flavored with a Queen's accent, was echoing all over the speakers. He was the hero of the liberal movement, and with just a year away from the first primaries, he was the leading contender for the presidency. Well, thank God he's almost done, remarks started as they came closer to the platform. The general was waiting for them. He said, looking at started. I hate him. Just listen to him, Walter. He's ready to hand over everyone's money to all the losers of the world. The loafers and the bums. Rip-off artists. You think they're gonna change his mind with that SRT flight? It'll never happen. I only ask you to try and control yourself, Matt. Present some element of dignity, said started, straightening his tongue. Now, if they ask you anything, just refrain from comment. Oh, of course, Mr. Director, sir, said Kellogg sarcastically as he saluted Started, They went around the press contingent and back to the platform. Seconds later, they emerged from behind the blue curtain at the rear. Senator Rotstein was bringing his emotional voice to a crescendo as he closed his remarks. The crowd was very enthusiastic just as Kellogg and Stoddard came up on the stage. Uh, see? They just love us, Walter, said Kellogg. The director was not amused as they went into the front row of seats. Kellogg sat down next to the fidgeting Barrett. Ah, hello, Matt. I hear you stole my speech, Kellogg yelled in his ear. Stole, (laughs) laughed Barrett. He was impervious to the general's barbs. I like that, stole. Yeah, that's nice, that's nice, Pete, said Kellogg, rolling his eyes. Rotstein was almost through, and he knew the crowd was with him 100%. I always hate to end with a speech, he said. I can only say my committee on space exploration is an objective committee. Director Stoddick, he said, turning briefly, we know how strongly you value the space program, and we know how the public feels on this matter, but we will all be going up there into space, into the wild blue yonder. God help my heart, and seriously, I will give the agency every opportunity to present their side of the story. I've never doubted the magnificent drama presented by going into space, the glory and the prestige. I'm only saying, as are many of my Earth colleagues, we have many pressing problems here on Earth. It will be your job, Mr. Director, to convince the committee of your purpose. Thank you. Thank you. He said, stepping back and waving to the crowd, they rose to their feet. Rothstein took his paper from the podium. He waved to them once again as the applause continued. Then he turned to Stoddard, who had come over to the speaker's platform. Save some of that applause for us, Senator, Kidd had started. I'll need it for myself next year, Walter, he said, returning to the podium to wave once again. The crowd responded. Stoddard, Barrett, and their aides were even applauding. Everyone but Kellogg. He hated Rothstein. I'll see you before the launch, Walter, said the senator as he passed, heading for the back of the stage. Kellogg had walked up back and was standing off to the side. Rothstein saw him out of the corner of his eye. He and the general had locked horns many a time before. Puckering his lips, he turned toward the general and pretended to kiss the air in the general's direction. Kellogg was outraged, gritting his teeth as Rotstein moved behind the curtain. I'll get him, that son of a bitch. Rothstein stepped into a long maroon limousine. Two of his aides were inside, watching all the proceedings on a monitor. Very good speech, Alvin, said one of his aides, a young woman. Excellent, Senator, said another aide, a man in his early thirties. Did, uh, he said as the car pulled away, go off pretty well, didn't it? "'All the networks plan on running it again tonight,' said the woman. "'Good, good. That's just the way we want it,' he said, leaning back against the leather seat. He loosened his tie as the car sped up across the base. "'Senator,' said the man in a much more somber tone, "'we've been looking into those explosions in Phoenix.'" Rothstein squinted. "'Don't think I condone that type of activity, Bill. "'With all the brick walls we've run into, the Ram had it coming.'" It's a disgrace what he's done to all those people. We won't get into an argument about that free will versus control, he said. Point is, we've tried questioning the SIA again. Yes, and how did you make out? They're obfuscating the entire issue. That same rehearsed statement they've been handing the press. Yes, sir. I'll tell you something, said Rothstein, raising his finger. I think someone has done in Phoenix we've been unable to do with a court order. I think they got to those computers. We can only hope that someone does have information on the Ram Dahmer. If they do, maybe they'll get back to us. A man who has taken so much money from so many people has to to have made mistakes, said said his aide. Yeah, and I want to catch those mistakes, said Rothstein. All the public polls show the total displeasure with the worldwide church. We can use the issue next year. I'll kneel all those involved to the wall, he said as the limousine approached the front gate. And that, my friends, will put us over the top. Back on the speaker's platform, Stoddard was in the middle of a short talk to the press, trying not to be hostile. It'll "Be a proud day for us, for everyone in the country and the free world. Get back in the space race, he said with great tenacity, but nobody cared. People's r- papers rustled, and people were walking about. The competition from around the world is fierce. There's no denying that. This agency, however, is poised and ready to meet any challenge. To take on any country, at any time. In short, to defend space from all those who would threaten the freedom of space in the world itself. Let's make one thing crystal clear. There are forces out there who only wish to dominate the free area of space. Ladies and gentlemen, we've lost ground and are losing ground. We've been subjected to the self-critical dwelling on past mistakes. And I will not deny that we've made mistakes, he said as they began to buzz. But we are just human beings. We're not program machines. Let us go forward with a new spirit of enterprise. Let us see how beneficial space can be for all of us paused for a few moments, gulping from a glass of water. They were not questioning him as they usually did. Either they were bored or waiting for the kill. "'In just two weeks, this giant spacecraft over there,' he said, pointing to the SRT in the haze, "'the short-range transport will haul a new cargo. Over 400 men, women, and children will be brought into space.' They will remain in space for 10 days. I don't have to remind you that such an accomplishment is unheard of in any other country on Earth. Not just the technology end of it. No other nation would even think of bringing average people side by side with dignitaries into space. And we go into space to show what has been reported. Our side of the story is our fervent hope that we will be able to demonstrate the wonders of space as well as the the law was over. They were not impressed with what they considered idealistic rhetoric. Where were the practical answers concerning the past, present, and future? And they knew, quite frankly, good manners would not get good answers. The man in the front row stood to his feet. What about the backup systems on the so-called launch of the century? What are you gonna do if something goes wrong up there? I understand your concerns, said started as five or six other reporters blasted questions at him what about the engines how can there be room up there what if there's trouble i can understand your concerns said started as five or six other reporters blasted questions at him he turned and looked over to pete barrett's seat to a shock it was empty then he saw barrett coming out from behind the blue curtain the public relations director was once again smoking a cigarette started was bowing out "'I think uh, Pete Barrett can better answer any of your questions. Pete!' started practically ran from the podium. Barrett put out his cigarette and moved toward him. "'Go get him, Pete,' said Starrett as he exhaled. "'Walter, Walter, wait,' said Barrett, stopping him. "'What is it, Pete?' "'Walter, I just got off the audio phone with the research station, 19.' "'What? Did you talk to Dr. Savard?" Of course I did. No one else is cleared to talk about the problem. He said there was no change in the problem's status. <laughs> but there still is a problem, Sid started. Yes, he didn't know anything about the briefing. He suggested if we wanted more information we should call him back tonight. Very well, Sid started, I don't want any mess ups. And by the way, thanks for throwing me to the wolves, Walter, said Barrett as he walked away. He headed for the podium in the press. Sometimes Starter's attitude bothered him. It was as if he threw all the responsibility on his shoulders. He stepped up to the speaker's platform and took a deep breath. All across the country and the world, the television sets picked up this man with the sandy hair and black rimmed glasses. All right, I'm so happy to see all you people here today, he smiled. They could detect a touch of sarcasm. Barrett knew what he was up against ever since he had joined the agency. He had thoroughly defended the agency's policies. Usually, however, the attacks were sugar-coated, but his patience, due to the increased stress, was growing thin. Now, I understand there might be one or two questions out there. You want to know about the backup system? shouted the same man who was still standing. I understand what you're saying, John. I can assure you there's absolutely no need for anyone to get all riled up about this. Well, it's damned relevant, Barrett, shouted a small woman to the right. We're talking about people's lives here. Well, yeah, of course it's relevant. The agency's taken every precaution in the area of backup systems. Two days ago, we issued... Never mind what happened, two days ago, said another reporter, talking through his own loudspeaker system. "Yeah, hey, if you will please let me finish, said Barrett, raising his voice. I was just about to say we've completed a briefing paper and tape on all the backup systems. Everyone should have gotten a copy of that report. We've stressed the need for backup systems and given several examples of the systems, showing graphically how 32 potential disasters were avoided because of our use of backup systems. Sometimes we use two, even three backup systems. Oh, it all sounds very impressive, said the first man in the front row. But have you really taken all precautions, Pete? Isn't this flight, in the words of an independent engineering firm, very risky? No, I, I don't know where you've got that information, said Barrett, trying to remain calm. This, uh, this, this flight is safer. The highest state of our technology has been incorporated in this particular SRT. The only reason we raise the issue of backup systems is because of the hounding of you guys. Oh, thank God for the press! In other words, said Barrett, he's now getting angry, we're providing more than adequate information. That may be true, but the distance between stops is extraordinary. This SRT will go for hours alone into deep space. First of all, your designation of deep space is somewhat elusive. We will not be going into deep space. I suggest you recheck that definition. Secondly, we move the SRT over greater distances every day, hauling large cargo bays of freight. There is no difficulty on those flights, and there won't be any difficulty on this flight. I have every confidence in the SRT performance capacities and capabilities. It will perform without a hitch. The SRT, ladies and gentlemen, is the finest engineered spacecraft in the world. Oh yeah? Are you an engineer? He reached for the water. Cracked another man. Barrett almost spit out the water. His face dropped as the man continued. I'm going up on that contraption of yours. Can you give me as an individual technical reassurance? Let's hear the technical side of this. First of all, sir... I'm not an engineer. I've never claimed to have a vast technical reservoir of knowledge. However, I've been assured by our technical people that this spacecraft's specifications are superb. It marks the advent of a new age. Isn't it about time decisions about those standards? We're taken away from the elite elements of your space agency and handed it back to the people?" Barrett's face was tightening. Everyone is being kept from the truth! If you will shut up for a second, he shouted as they all began yelling at him. What we're we're trying to do is the whole idea behind this flight is to bring the truth to the people. That's what the SRT is all about. The people have no voice, Mr. Barrett. We've heard the agency's assurances for years, assurances that have been spoon-fed to our people while they have suffered in our urban ghettos, while medical aid has been denied to the poor and disadvantaged, while food programs have been cut out. You, we don't need any more of your assurances, Mr. Barrett, not while the whole world suffers agency cover-ups and lies, shouted another man, stepping right up to the aisle. That is your accusation, sir, said Barrett, pointing his finger at the man, but the people were speaking up from all sides. You admit it yourself, said someone else as he stepped back. You admit you're not qualified to talk about this. I have technical experts who can validate. No more experts! Barrett, the advertising man, who had engineered some of the largest and most successful campaigns, could not even kowtow the press. The last thing the agency needed was another confrontation, and he was getting paid to promote the agency, not to start a major war, but he was losing the battle and the war. You should have been better briefed, said a young man, trying to get his two cents worth on television. That's it said barrett i've had it with your rudeness his voice erupted around the spaceport you can envision Stoddard's face behind him you know i don't object to any of your questions you have your opinions okay i can stand for the way you jump all over somebody who's sincerely trying to explain the position you automatically think we're out to twist the truth a little courtesy he said pausing for a moment the srt he said pounding his fists on the podium Will pay for itself. I don't understand all your questions as if the taxpayers' money was being diverted into this flight. Barrett was through. He had said his piece. Pressing his lips, he slowly shook his head. Started, stood in front of his chair. Right winger! Right winger! shouted the crowd as he walked into the back. I'm sorry, Walter. I admire your courage in speaking up to you, not the way we wanted it to go, at least it's been put on the record. I thought you were just a little wimp," said Kellogg as he hit Barrett on the shoulder. I'm glad he has your vote of a provo general," Sid started. From behind the curtain, Barrett's wife, a short, dark-haired woman, was signaling for him to come back. Barrett excused himself, and his four children were waiting. Despite all the hostilities, all the pressure from all sides, he still had his devoted family. Barrett leaned back in an office chair. Laughing deeply, he almost fell out of the chair. Upper echelon personnel were ending this long day in Stoddard's office, having a few drinks and trying to relax. The little gathering, after a most trying day, allowed them to at least shake loose some of the never-ending pressure. "'Well, just because, Peter,' said Stoddard with a drink in his hand, "'just because you personally want to lynch every member of the press corps,' Huh, D- ''Didn't you get my memo, Walter?'' asked Barrett, still leaning back in his chair. ''Memo?'' asked Started. ''What memo?'' ''It's on all channels, Walter. They just started to set up a hangman's platform inside the hangar.'' <laughs> ''Oh, for God's sakes,'' Sid started as he laughed. ''Not that I wouldn't like to see a few of them dangle, mind you.'' ''I don't see why you guys always want to go to the extremes,'' said Kellogg, obviously poking fun at himself. "'Extremes!' shouted Barrett. "'All right, General Extremes!' "'Matt was just presenting his new plan to me yesterday,' "'Sid started as he took a sip of the liquor. "'Yeah, he wants to get a computer list of all his liberal friends "'and load him on the SRT and—' "'Rotstein especially,' said Kellogg, raising his glass. "'Yes, I believe he wanted to strap him naked on the nose of the SRT,' "'Sid started as they all laughed. "'Do you think the senator would eject?' said <laughs> Barrett, laughing. "'Not if he becomes president. "'He can run that picture in his ads,' said one of the department heads in back. "'Right,' said Started, filling the liquor. "'See? man wants to put them all inside the transport and just,' he said, "'motioning with his hand. "'Let him go!' "'Not a bad idea,' smiled Kellogg. If "'It wasn't so late I'd make the arrangements.' "'Oh, what time is it?' "'It's almost 11.30,' answered the general.' "'Peter, Peter,' Sid started as he rose. "'I think it's about time we all headed out. "'Let the boys stay here and enjoy themselves.' "'Right, Walter, I don't know about the rest of you guys, "'but I'd like to get some sleep tonight.' "'Who needs sleep?' asked Kellogg as he poured himself another drink. "'Ah, oh, enjoy yourself, Matt,' smile started, "'as he and Barrett moved into the corridor. "'They trotted to the elevator, and less than a minute later, "'they were inside the basement communications area.' Hurrying past the MPs at the door, they sealed it shut stepped right up to the primary control for the flight. They moved between the consoles along the giant space map and the screen up front with voice control and coded signals. The door to, the glass, the door to a glass booth was open. They were inside the communications room. Sometimes I wonder, said Barrett, sitting down in front of the screen, if Kellogg hasn't been monitoring everything we've been doing in here. If he has, Pete, we don't know about it. He's not the only person in the SIA. Our contacts have specific orders to keep this room and the channel under surveillance, Peter, said Stoddard as he activated the screen. The picture at first was very bright and scrambled. Barrett reached into a lower compartment and pulled out an adapter and handed it to Stoddard. The director plugged it in, and the letters filled the screen Research Station 19. Signal ready. The image of a very clean-cut man with short gray hair slowly replaced the letters. He was dressed in a light green jacket and a blue turtleneck. Dr. Savard, good evening, good evening, said Stoddard. Your image is very strong this evening, no interference. Yes, I, uh, I've been reading you clearly, too. I trust all is well with you gentlemen tonight. Everything is as well as it can be expected down here, said Barrett press. Yes, doctor, said started. I'm afraid the press is once again pursuing its provocative livelihood at our expense. Unfortunate. First of all, let me apologize for interrupting the briefing. I guess out here in deep space, one loses track of earthly events. No apologies necessary, doctor. Your work is so extremely important. No, no, don't give it a second thought. Is everything all right up there, doctor? asked Barrett. Of course, of course. I must say it's getting rather boring just running down the same data on every call. No, no, replied Stoddard immediately. The SRT launch is rapidly approaching. We must be absolutely sure that what you have discovered won't interfere with the flight. Mr. Director, you have, over the past few weeks, stated your objections very eloquently and I've shown you all my calculations, but... Computer enhancements and data productions are there, too. Of course, there can be no room for doubt. All the observations have been made, all the data has been inputted, and the conclusions are drawn. I have told you countless times, science has an answer. We weren't doubting you, Doctor, Sid started. You, in light of your troubles with the press and the prevailing political situation in this country, can understand our uneasiness. Of course, Mr. Director, be assured, all is well in space. Trust me, everyone on RS-19 has been working round the clock to double-check all our calculations and ratings. Everything is safe. You will have your launch, gentlemen, and everyone will be satisfied. Your words have always been good enough for us, Doctor, Barrett proclaimed. We only want to know the present status. In a word, gentlemen, unchanged. Now, I'd strongly advise you to move in full speed ahead with your launch preparations and, quite frankly, all these check-ins are totally unnecessary. I can merely call you for they change in status. I can move the communication to a two-day call. In the evening, same time, Sid started. Very well. I can only tell you that I will have more to say about nothing, replied Savard. We're on top of the situation here. We understand, Doctor, Said started, trying not to upset him. Good evening, and don't worry, said Savard. He started to get up from the chair calls being an obvious irritation to him and the screen reverted to transmission over think we're pushing him walter said barrett man this is a leading astronomer in the world and you or I are just layman we we've been badgering him about his expertise well, i quite agree pete leave the problems to the experts said the director as he stood now i'm finally going to get off this damn base and get a good night's sleep I'll be in late tomorrow. We still have our work cut out for us. Hundreds of thousands of miles above them, the deep dark confines of space, gray-haired Savard walked up to the metal staircase to his computerized telescope viewer. He sat in the console chair and pulled two tiny viewing screens over his eyes. The consoles were activated and once again the doctor began scouring the heavens. His reputation was unchallenged, and his judgments were always exact. He was a scientist in the utmost sense of the word, continuously receiving his data and grinding it through the computers and his own mind. A constant refinement and fine-tuning of his perceptions, and the final result he genuinely believed would always substantiate his time-worn adage that science has an answer. Join us again next week for another adventurous episode of the Ram Damas Kingdom, Who is He Who Commands the Masses? Produced by Fitton Theatre of the Words.